Welcome, folks. Uh, welcome again to the lecture series. Uh, this is uh, Dr. Ben Pundit. Again, uh, picking up uh, from where we left off. Um, this is topic 11, pulmonary disorder. Uh, this chapter is quite long, just to warn you. Uh, I actually added a lot of other things in it uh, to help you to become a better clinician as well. Okay, so not just respiratory pathology, but some other stuff that you probably need to know as a family nurse practitioner, as a clinician. Okay, so bear with me. Um, and as we go through along here, you could also pause and come back to this video anytime. Okay, here we go. So, a um, couple of terms that we're going to, you're going to keep hearing these terms over and over again throughout. Uh, this lecture. The first one is called ventilation. Ventilation is the movement of air in and out of the lungs. So ventilation, when you think of ventilation, think of uh, the ability to be able to take in the air and expel the air going into the lungs and going out of the lungs. Diffusion is movement of the gases between the airspace in the lungs okay, and the bloodstream. So putting the gases like oxygen, nitrogen, carbon dioxide, all of those gases going in from the lungs into the bloodstream. Perfusion is from the blood, okay, moving those gases, moving the gases from the blood into the capillary beds uh, of, the, of the lungs, the body, organs, and tissue, meaning that perfusion is the exchanging of the gases in the bodies, exchanging of the gases in the body. So we'll be able to move the blood, move those gases from the lungs to the capillaries in the bodies. Okay, so these three terms, I want you to really keep that in mind as we go along throughout this whole entire chapter. So going to be huge for you. Also, these, uh, these uh, terms, you, you had them in the past. You probably don't want to remember them, but we're going we're to come back to these terms over and over and over again. So it's good for you to know what these terms actually mean. Okay, so the first two terms, uh, you're going to see that in the next graph. VC, which is vital capacity, and TLC, which is the total lung capacity. Okay, and we'll go over that shortly. FEV1, you're going to see this term quite a bit. Okay, force expiratory volume for one second. So, how much air can you force out? So, uh, force expiratory volume after one second. So, after you take a max inhale, deep, deep breath, max inhale, how much air can you force out in one second? How much air can you force out? This is to show you, to show how strong your lungs are, uh, be able to force out that air after one second. If you remember this chart uh, from your undergrad, your anatomy, and also your nursing school, I'm sure you have this graph everywhere. Okay, so still remember this graph. Okay, so you might want to remember the top part. We're going to talk about volume. So the first first group are the volume. So the first part here is the IRV, inspiratory reserve volume. That's the maximum of air that you could inhale in, the maximum uh, inhale, inhalation of air. Maximum amount of air that you could inhale into your lungs. That's the IRV. TV, tidal volume, that's your normal breath, in, out, in, out, in, out. So your normal breath that you normally breathe. The, the amount of air that you breathe in, the amount of air you breathe out. In, out, in, out, every time. ERV is the maximum amount of air that you could actually blow out. Maximum expiratory reserve volume. So meaning that that's the maximum amount of air that you could blow out uh, at one time. 
even though you're trying to blow out all of your air, you're going to have about two liters of the residual volume. Residual volume is the amount of air that you have left inside your lungs. Without this air, your lungs will actually collapse. Okay, so without this air, your lungs will collapse. So the first four names that we just mentioned is the volume. All of these are volume. IRV, TV, ERE, and uh, RV. All of these are volume. <clears throat> now let's talk capacity because some of those terms that you saw over there is capacity. So the vital capacity, VC, vital capacity has to do with the essential stuff that makes you alive. Vital means alive. So taking the, the maximum breadth of air in normal breath and then also maximum breath of air out so that's called vital capacity okay to tlc total lung capacity is for everything from top to bottom all these four volumes the maximum amount of air that you can have in your lungs and that's the tlc okay so knowing those term will help you with what come what's coming up when we talk about these pulmonary diseases okay signs and symptoms you're going to have similar signs and symptoms so not really uh, pertinent to remember because you're going to see a similar sign and symptom everywhere everyone they're going to have cyanosis they're going to have dyspnea they're going to have coughs they have hemoptysis so all of these are going to be the same thing clubbing of the nail so this is the clubbing of the nail look nice and round okay so all of these are the sign of pulmonary diseases so not really a big thing to remember to differentiate between which pulmonary diseases which one because most of them have the same symptoms so first one, you're going to be seeing this on your exam and also on your um, final. It's the term dyspnea. There's different type of dyspnea. Uh, you have severe dyspnea. This is the flaring of the nostril. Dyspnea on exertion, uh, difficulty breathing when you're actually uh, exerting. Uh, autopnea, which is uh, difficulty breathing when you're lying down. So you, when you're sitting up, leaning forward, you actually be able to breathe better. Paroxysmal nocturnal dyspnea, you actually have problems uh, breathing at night when you lie down at night. Okay. So know those terms. Hemoptysis, coughing with blood. Uh, eupnea, which is normal breathing. We never hardly ever use that term because we, in a hospital, in clinics, you will never see people have you. One of the terms that we don't really use for some reason. We talked about Kussmaul breathing before, something you should know. Labor breathing you should know as well. Uh, these two definitely need to know them. Restricted breathing, which you do know, and Shane uh, Stroke, uh, Stokes respiration, you know what that is, hopefully. If you don't, you might want to brush up on your, but all of you should know that. Uh, guys work in a nursing home, you've seen people dying before, so you should have seen that before. Okay, you have hyperventilation and hypoventilation. Does this mean uh, if you have too little air coming in, you have too much air coming in, what's going to look like? So, uh, cyanosis, does mean you don't get the uh, you don't get the air, the oxygen that you need in, so you're actually turning blue. Okay. Hypercapnia, which means you have too much CO2. Hypoxemia, you have too little oxygen. Could be various diseases. This is the first thing that you we're going to go in detail and talk a lot more on, um, definitely. So first one is VQ, VQ mismatch, okay? V is stand for ventilation, Q is stand for perfusion, okay? Something to keep in mind. So V is for ventilation, and Q is for perfusion. If you remember from the previous uh, slide that I just mentioned earlier, uh, what is ventilation? Ventilation is the air that's coming in, how much air you could actually get in. 
whereas perfusion is the exchange of air gases into your capillaries. How much of those gases you could actually exchange through your capillaries? Okay, so VQ. Okay, so this is something to remember. Something we, we're going to talk about quite a bit um, when we going through different part of your uh, different diseases. So between obstructive versus restrictive type of lung disease, you're going to see certain things obstructive. You're going to see VQ one way, and then restrictive. You're going to see VQ the other way. Okay, something to keep in mind. Your lungs are divided into three zones: zone one, two, and three. Uh, this is the pressure uh, from the from the uh, the arterial end and the venous end. Uh, of your pulmonary artery and pulmonary veins, um, with uh, with the pressure here, the top part you have uh, the highest VQ ratio, the highest VQ ratio, because the perfusion is low, very low here on the top. Uh, ventilation is low, but not as low as the perfusion. So your VQ actually goes up here. Whereas zone two, uh, you could see there's more pressure uh, from the arterial end than the venous end. Uh, so, whereas this is considered normal, this is where your, uh, where your trachea and um, pulmonary artery and pulmonary veins actually comes in. So this is where your normal zone. Whereas zone three, your VQ is gonna go down because your ventilation goes up and your uh, perfusion also goes up very high. So therefore, you're gonna see your VQ goes down overall. Another thing that is to remember is the spirometry. Spirometry is quite important concept to remember. Um, this is RV, which is the residual volume, which means this is the amount of air that you could have in your lungs, amount of air uh, that you could have in your lung. FVC is forced ventricular uh, capacity. So forced vital capacity, I'm sorry. Forced vital capacity, that's your pretty much same thing. FVC and VC is exactly the same thing. So when you talk about FVC, it's exactly the same thing as vital capacity. So how much air can you squeeze it in? How much? That's including your IRV, your TV, and your ERV. All of those are part of your VC. Uh, forced vital capacity. FEV1, which is right here, FEV1, okay, that's considered to be about 80%. This is normal. Uh, FEV1 is you'll be able to force out about 80% of your air in your lungs, okay, of, of the uh, vital capacity. So that's your uh, FEV1. When you look at this graph, a lot of you actually seeing this graph, if you actually work in ICU, you work in your, as a respiratory tech, you will see this graph everywhere. So um, what this graph shows is that here, this is your residual volume. Your residual volume is two liters. Okay, you have two liters of residual volume here. And this is the inspiration as you breathe in. Your volume goes down because you breathing in. Actually, your volume goes up. Sorry, your volume goes up as you breathe in. It goes up to six volume, six liter uh, of volume, and then when you breathe out, your volume start to uh, the flow start to peak, and then comes down like that. Looks like a little iceberg. Okay, so this is the normal the normal flow volume loop that you're gonna see with your patient. Okay, so uh, this is the, the, the normal volume the normal uh, spirometry. So the, the problem one, like if you have obstructive type of disease, you're gonna start seeing this king, little king, I'm gonna show you a little bit more later on, right here on the uh, expiratory part. Uh, if you have restrictive type of disease, things will kind of become narrower, and things actually going up and down, like as if uh, someone is pulling, 
pulling just imagine a rubber band you actually grabbing something on the top something on the bottom and you start to pull so things become shorter so your rv becomes a lot shorter uh, you actually will have more air in your lungs you actually will have more air in your lungs so your rv will span from two go all the way to four or so you actually have more air that you're gonna retain um, this is one way of figure out different type of disease, whether you have obstructive, restrictive, uh, by looking at the FEV1 and vital capacity, uh, what they are. I don't recommend remembering this. It's not really worth your time of remembering these at all. This one I do recommend to remember. And uh, the, the more interesting one is actually right here at the end here. If you have the obstructive type of lung disease, just knowing that your FEB1 and your VC or force vital capacity ratio ratio is actually decreased by 70%, less than 70%. If you have restrictive, you're going to have a normal FEB1 and FVC, or you have increase. This level goes up. So this is something to remember, something to put in your head, really. Uh, just know that. Uh, if it's obstructive, it goes down. If EV1 and FVC goes down, and if restrictive, it actually goes up. Another chart that's really nice to know and kind of good, nice little flow chart. You look at FEV1 and FVC if it's normal or high. Again, if you remember, it's going to be restrictive more, most likely. You could look at the FVC if it's low, more likely it's restrictive. If it's normal or high, you're going to have a, you could have a normal lung me mechanics. If you have low, you assess, you could have different type of obstruction, so you might want to determine what kind of obstruction that you might have. So all of the lung disease kind of breaks down into two categories. One is called the obstructive, the other one is called restrictive. Obstructive versus restrictive. Okay. For the obstructive, something to remember, obstructive is that uh, you would normal, normally, this is the normal graph here. You have the vital capacity, which is VC right here, IRV, TV, ERV, this is normal. And your RV is on the bottom, your FRC, which is functional residual capacity right here, which is your ERV and RV. Okay. So with obstructive, when you say, when you think of obstructive, so anything that blocking air of coming in into your lungs, when you talk about obstructive disease, any diseases that actually cause an obstruction, preventing air from coming into your alveoli. Okay, so that's the key term to remember when you think about obstructive. Think of things that are actually blocking the air from co to come in. When you block the air to come in, when you block this air to come in, your alveoli cannot expand. When the alveoli cannot expand as fully as it's supposed to. Okay, so when you blocking things in, when you blocking blocking things in, okay, your IRV. Okay, goes down. Your IRV goes down because you can't really breathe in. You cannot breathe in a lot of stuff. When you cannot breathe in a lot of stuff and you cannot breathe out a lot of stuff, your RV increases. Your RV goes up. As you can see, this is the normal RV right here. The RV double itself. Your ERV also goes up. Your ERV actually goes up because you can't expel stuff in. So you have more air retaining inside your lungs. More air inside your lungs. Your TV stay normal. That's, uh, your normal breasts stay normal. Okay, but your IRV gonna go down because also in the obstruction, you cannot break break in the air inside your lungs. But you cannot break it inside your lungs. Uh, it could be pneumonia, could be asthma, could be a lot of things. Then your IRV goes down, uh, but your ERV and RV goes up. Your FRC goes up because these two goes up. Because of these two overall goes up, your TLC actually goes up as well. Okay. <clears throat> if you look at the spirometry curve, okay, so this is the normal curve again, normal curve. So 
when you have obstruction, again, you have you reduce that airflow coming in, you reduction in that airflow coming in, you reduce that airflow going out. So you're going to have more air uh, remain inside your lungs, or more air is actually circulating inside your alveoli. This is what we call hyperinflation, hyperinflation of your alveoli. So the key things to remember when you see this, especially if you're working in tele and I see you now, especially if you're dealing with these uh, uh, SARS and uh, COVID-19, uh, you're going to see this little kink, okay, this little kink here. You're going to see a little bend uh, when you see the expiratory, when you're breathing out the air. You're going to see this bend of the curve. And the curve shifts to the left. The curve, instead of here, start from here so you have more air you're actually reserving more air inside your lungs you have more air you won't have more residual volume your vital capacity may stay the same but you're going to have when you force the air out you're going to have this little kink the flow going to be going quickly and then slowly slowly taper off because of of the obstruction remember when you breathe try to breathe out you breathe out really fast and then you kind of slow down the airflow slow down and then you kind of slowly taper off think of it like uh when you first you when you blow air in the balloon when you look let go of that balloon the balloon actually blow out a lot of air but instead of smoothly let's say if you put your hand on there uh, on the valves again you're going to see this little kink things going to go out really fast and then toward the end you're going to have these uh, uh, smaller air coming out at the end constantly okay the last graph for the obstructive uh, graph is you look at the volume. This is the graph that has the volume and the time when you actually force out the air. Again, I showed you this graph earlier. This is the FVC, the vital capacity, and the uh, the residual volume. The FEV1 has to be greater than 80, which is right here, right at this spot. This is the 80% or so. So when you have the obstruct obstructive uh, diseases, your FEV1 goes down. Your FEV1 actually went way down, down here. Okay. If you cannot bring more air in, remember your lung has to do with the level of CO2 inside your lungs. If you double the level of CO2, okay, you, you double just the level of CO2 by 10%, your uh, capacity of the lungs goes down by almost 50%. Okay. So if you have more CO2 inside your lungs, your FEV1 will, will drop down way below uh, 70%. In this case, you could see it's very low. Okay. So the curve now becomes this yellow curve here. This is when you have the obstruction curve. Okay, things are not you cannot blow out as quickly as you can. It becomes some, a lot some, uh, shallower uh, instead of quicker. It actually becomes slower, and then you could slowly go to that normal. Okay. Last one is restrictive uh, group of restrictive. You have <coughs> these group. Since what restrictive means is that you are you don't have the obstruction, you don't have the blockage of the air coming in and out of your lungs, but your alveoli itself become very stiff. Your alveoli, your, uh, your lung itself, it could be because of fibrosis, could be because of sarcoidosis, all kinds of different things, including emphysema. All of those, uh, your, your alveoli become stiff. It does not work the way it's supposed to. There's no contractility, cannot force things out, cannot open itself up. So therefore, you have this restriction occur. So your IRV goes down, your ERV goes down, your RV goes down, all of the air, you cannot keep the air inside your lungs. Your lungs actually have less capacity of holding on to the air. Your lungs have less capacity of forcing out the air. Your lungs have less capacity of breaking in the air. Okay. So everything goes down. Your FVC, your FRC, actually, not FRV, but FRC, uh, TLC, all of these actually goes down. Okay. The restrictive spirometry, like I said earlier, uh, instead of the volume, you have two. 
Okay, you have smaller volume, you have smaller volumes, you have smaller RV. And as if it's actually being pulled right here, and right here, just imagine that you actually pulled these two sides away from one another. Think of a rubber band and you start pulling this side down here and pulling this side up here. So things become shallow and kind of almost oval to look like. Okay. Uh, so FEV1 does goes down, but not as much as uh, with obstructive. So let's keep that in mind. FEV1, you're going to see FEV1 goes down, but this is going to go in proportion with FVC as well. So the graph actually looks smaller. When you see the ratio uh, of FEV1 over FVC, that ratio could be normal because it goes down together. Uh, all of these goes down together. So you may see a normal ratio or you might see an increase. Uh, but Uh, this is just a good slide for you to see where you should listen to your lungs uh, as a doctor, especially with all the stuff that's going on now. You should be able to listen to your friends and your family's lungs uh, to listen for all the signs, listen for the crackling, wheezing, and all of those things inside the lungs. There's actually a pretty good YouTube here. You guys could check this out. This is a good lung sound, a uh, different type of lung sound that you will hear with kids, adults, with rails and uh, rails, uh, what else, uh, crackles, uh, Wheezing, so different type of sound that you could actually notice when you listen to someone's lung. Normally, we listen to the back side for the most part, for the anterior side, uh, and you look listen to these eight spots. I'm not sure why they they start with zero. Those they start with one, so one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So that's eight total spots. So you should listen to all eight normally. So with your health assessment class, I'm sure they'll make you listen to all eight. Most doctors now say they only listen to four, but technically speaking, you should at least listen to six. Uh, you don't really need to listen to the middle part, but you should listen to the top, the apex, the somewhat the lower lobe, and then on the side as well, the middle uh, middle and lower lobe on the side. Oftentimes you might hear the consolidation or uh, crackling sound. <coughs> okay. So um, usually when we talk about respiratory, one of the things that I like to inform the student is to kind of teach you just uh, a, a quick, brief version of how to read the x-ray. Quick, brief version of how to read x-rays. Uh, I know you, know you probably rely things on with with radiologists to read it for you, but uh, I guarantee radiologists can make mistakes uh, because they they look at those things. They could look at that million thing, million X rays a day, million CTs a day, so they may skip things or not not seeing all the whole picture. So it's good for you to be able to recognize some of the basic stuff on this chest X ray. So I'm going to teach you through this. Uh, you're welcome to. Uh, there's actually several video on YouTube that teach you how to do this as well. So just know the basic. That would be great. Okay. So first, uh, for the X ray, you need to know these basics. Who, what, when, where, and why. So you should be able to ask yourself, whose x-ray is this? What, ex what kind of x-ray is this? Uh, where has this been taken? Uh, when has this been taken? Uh, why are we doing this? Why are we doing the x-ray? Okay. Look at the quality of film, something I do highly recommend, looking at that quality of film uh, as well. Okay. So first, uh, let me show you what, what is the most common chest x-ray. Most common chest x-ray is the x-ray that actually have what we call the PA view. Okay, PA. There's actually PA and AP. Uh, there's two different ones. Uh, most of the time in your clinic, you will see the PA, like 90% of the time in the clinic. You're going to see AP in the hospital, in the ER. Uh, only time you're going to do that, you're going to see this in the ER or the hospitals. Okay. <clears throat> so what uh, in terms of x-ray, this is what happened in x-ray. You have a plate here, and you put your chest onto the plate. Okay, you put your chest onto the plate. Okay. 
the reason oops, oh, the reason we do a uh, we we do the PA okay when the reason we do PA sorry about that I don't know what happened okay so that's not a good human body but that's okay so that's PA the reason we do PA which is mean posterior to anterior you're shooting from so the X-ray is here okay you're shooting from the posterior uh, to the anterior side. Okay, we hardly do AP, which has been anterior to posterior, unless we do shooting from the anterior side to the posterior side. Uh, it's a little bit rare to do that. The reason we do that, uh, this is the front part of your chest, this is the back part of your chest, uh, the back part of your back, sorry, not your chest. So your bone is here, your, your spine is running back here. The reason we do PA is because your heart is in the front here. Okay, your heart is in the front. So your heart is in the front. If you do an AP, okay, the... Imagine a light, imagine a scope of light, okay? So the x-ray travel through your body this way, okay? So what happened is if uh, these x-ray, if these rays, okay, if these rays right here, uh, if your heart is actually right here in the, in the uh, you do the AP, your heart is in the front and the slide is in the back, your heart actually will look bigger. Just imagine if you have, using a flashlight, you put your hand right here in front of the flashlight. The closer you put your hand to the flashlight, the bigger the silhouette of your hand will be. So uh, but that's why we like to do PA because your heart is right next to the, uh, the slide. Uh, so when you shoot the x-ray, the heart is relatively the same size because it's right next to that slide. Okay. Whereas PA, your heart will actually look a lot bigger when you shoot the x-ray from the back. The heart, the silhouette of the heart, the shadow of the heart will become bigger, which we will co it covers a lot of things in the heart. It will block you from seeing a lot of stuff uh, on the heart itself. Okay, so that's what uh, the other thing you want to look at is the film quality. Okay, not all X-ray created are equal, and not all, all X-ray are good. Okay, it's film quality. So you could see some of them might have a poor penetration. Uh, if you have poor penetration, you can't really see anything. Everything becomes just nice and white. Uh, that's mean you absorb too much. If it's white, usually that's mean it, you, it's a hard structure, like your bone actually absorbs into it. If it's black, that's mean it's a hollow structure. That's mean the x-ray goes right through it and then be able to uh, burn it off of the film. Okay, burn it off of the film. Uh, the, originally, the film is actually white. Uh, the film is completely white. When you actually have the x-ray through, um, but it doesn't come through, your bone absorb it, absorb some of those x-ray, those structures remain white. But if it goes through like your lungs, it actually will turn to your film become black. Okay. So the, the blacker it is, the darker it is, uh, that's mean that's complete air inside. So you can see complete air in the lungs, it turn actually black. Whereas you have soft tissue become gray, gray, uh, grayish color. So if you have anything like organs, uh, heart, lung, uh, heart, uh, Liver, stomach, uh, those may be soft tissue, trachea, uh, softer tissue, you might see that as a grayish color. Okay, which I'll show you those like aorta, uh, things like that you could actually see on the x-ray. Okay, um, for the for these you could see whether you have uh, under-penetrated, which is too light, or over-penetrated, which is too dark. So you want you don't want either one of those a bad x-ray, you have to retake them. Okay. The system to remember for the x-ray is A, B, C, D, E, F. There's actually different mnemonics. Uh, I would recommend uh, watch YouTube. There are actually several mnemonics. This one, to me, is the easiest one to remember. These are the things that you want to look at uh, when you look at the X-ray, the chest X-ray. So first one is airways. Uh, B is for bone and soft tissue. C is for cardiac silhouette. D is for diaphragm. E is for effusion. And then F is for feel, lungs feel. 
You also want to watch for lines, tubes, or any devices or surgery that you might see out there as well. Okay. So let's look at some x-rays. So this one, you know, let's look at these. And we'll go through the A, B, C, D, E, F system. So first is the airways. So the first thing, very first thing you want to look at is the trachea. This trachea kind of coming down here. Okay. The trachea that's coming down here. So you could see the, the dark air trachea that actually makes it weighs down. Okay. That's uh that's the trachea. You want to see that uh, to see whether there's any obstruction at that point. Uh, you also, if you look closely, you're going to see the head here, right here. This is the head of the uh, the clavicle. Okay, the head of the clavicle. You want to make sure that these two are the head of the clavicle. You want to make sure that these are the approximate uh, level where it's supposed to be. We could actually tell whether the person is rotated to the right or the left based on these uh, where where these are where these. Uh, the head of the clavicles are. You could tell whether the person are rotating to the, the left or the right side. Normally, your trachea should be about 25 millimeter wide for men and 21 millimeter wide for women. I don't recommend measuring those uh, in your real practice. So that's how wide these should be. Okay. And you want to make sure that this is kind of same about same amount of space. If you could look at here, from here to the middle part of the trachea, from the middle part of the trachea to here, should be approximately the same amount of space there. Okay. The second thing that people tend to miss a lot is the bone, and a lot of radiologists may not look for this, uh, is to see the bone here, all the ribs, making sure you have all the ribs is accountable for, and also you make sure that there's no uh, fracture on these ribs as well. Okay, So no fracture on these ribs. So you want to make sure that these ribs are uh, intact. So that's for bone. Most often, time people miss that. Most people miss that quite a bit. Even uh, the spine as well. Uh, you could, you might see a fracture in the spine. Uh, so you, you might want to notice from the chest X-ray. So the third one is cardiac silhouette. Cardiac silhouette, which is this guy here. Okay, cardiac silhouette. You could see the heart. The heart sitting toward uh, the left side here. Okay, the heart is sitting toward the left side. And you have the aorta. The aorta is up here. You could see the structure of the aorta here. This is the aortic arch coming down, and this is the pulmonary trunk coming up here, going to the pulmonary arteries. So the atrium, the ventricle, uh, the left ventricle, most likely, and then the left atrium right here. Okay. So the simple rule is your cardiac ration, which means that uh, this space here should take up about 55% or less of the whole entire space. So the left side to your right side here, I'm sorry, the, the left side to your right side here should be uh, this space should take about 55% or so. Anything bigger than 55%, then you're going to have something called cardio, uh, cardiomegaly. So your heartbeat is much bigger than it's supposed to. And remember, we talked about the tautology of flow. If you have tautology of flow, you're definitely going to see uh, the the right side of the heart on this side here. You're going to see the right side of the heart and have this tri triangle shape on the bottom shape here, on the right side here. Okay. So this is something to keep in mind, very important to remember, the cardio, cardiothoracic ration. Okay. And next one is the size of the diaphragm. The diaphragm on the right side should be higher, should be higher than the left. You can see this is normal, uh, should be about three centimeters higher than the, uh, than the left side. Okay. And this is one of the most important things to look at in your dive, uh, in your chest X-ray, because guess what? If you have pneumonia, if you have any consolidation in your lungs, if you have any water in your lungs, if you have uh, anything liquid in your lungs, you won't see these nice, sharp, clear borders. Uh, I will show you that later on. Uh, you won't see this sharp, clear border on the bottom of this part of this diaphragm here. 
Okay. In fact, if you have the bullion lower, lower low of the bullions, and you won't see this nice little triangle, like nice little point here, nice, nice little angular point here. These will be gone completely. Okay. So that's another thing to to look at. That's a diaphragm. Always remember that. If you should again, uh, you could look at this is the lower low. This lobe, uh, you could have, if you have effusion, this lobe, you may have difficulty of seeing uh, inside that lobe. The lower lobe, uh, the lower lobe of the lungs kind of tricky because the lower lobe of the lungs actually start from the bottom, but actually goes up, halfway up here. Okay, so the lower lobe start from the bottom here, but actually goes behind the superior lobe. Uh, the inferior lobe actually go behind it. So uh, it actually look better if you look at the lateral version, uh, the lateral X-ray than this uh, PA part, because then it's harder to see because this is part of your lower lobe, but then also your lower lobe become part of up here as well. And you have a middle lobe here uh, on, on the right side. And feels, you want to look at lungs feels uh, from the apex to the middle part to the bottom part to make sure the middle lobe, lower lobe to make sure that everything is intact. So this is what it looks like. Okay. Uh, this is very normal. You're going to see this gastric bubble. You can see back here you have gastric bubble. You have air in the stomach. So that's what that is. Completely normal. Nothing, nothing to be concerned of. So you can see the head of the clavicle, head of the clavicle. Okay. Uh, oh, I think I forgot to tell you why. Why do we do AP? Uh, why do we do AP chest X-ray? If most of the time we want to do PA, why we end up doing AP? The only time we're going to do AP is someone actually cannot uh, sit up on the chair and be able to actually stand up and take a chest X-ray. Most of the time the AP is done while the patient is actually on bedridden on the bed, cannot get up. So you slide down the uh, slider film on the back and then use the uh, X-ray machine, portable X-ray machine to shoot from the AP perspective. Okay, so that's the only time that we would do the uh, the AP. So that, like I said, most of the time, if you actually do the family nurse practitioner is uh, in your clinic, your patient should be able to get up and go to the uh, uh, for the chest X-ray. So most of the time, you're gonna have a PA portion of the chest X-ray. It's gonna be rare that you're gonna see an AP. Uh, the AP will be in the hospital in the ER where a patient cannot get up. They'll be in bed. Uh, that's when you if they cannot get up. So that's when you have to take a AP chest X-ray. Okay, so we're going to talk about, first talk about these restrictive lung disorder, restrictive lung disorder. You have all of these, aspiration, atelectasis, bronchiectasis. Again, this is a quick review. I don't want to, again, I may skip some of these things. Uh, may go through fairly quickly, uh, but uh, I want you to kind of go in and look at deeper, look at on your own as well. Okay. And then you have, these are the obstructive. You have asthma, chronic bronchitis, emphysema, COPD, all of these are obstructive type of lung disease. So we'll start with obstruct obstructive lung disease. So again, obstructive is when you have things blocking your airways coming in. Okay, blocking your air airways coming in. The key terms you're gonna see is the wheezing. You're gonna see a lot of wheezing. And this is oops, oh, what happened? Okay, key term is the the wheezing and diphtheria, and you're also gonna have increase. Uh, decrease FEV uh, FEV one. You're gonna see decrease in FEV one. So the first thing, first one I'm going to talk about is asthma. Asthma is, uh, you have, this is difficulty, you have inflammation of your airway, uh, you have mucus in your airways. Most of the time it's difficulty of breathing out, breathing things out, okay? You cannot breathe stuff out from your lungs, so you have something actually blocking your lungs. Keep, um, usually most of the time they don't have problem 
inhaling the air in. You could you could inhale the air in, but the problem is you have a problem uh, breathing out the air. So you might hear the wheeze going in, but they're gonna be struggling, blowing the air out. Okay, so that's the key thing to remember. So that's why it's obstructive, and that's why you have more air end up inside the lungs. So your residual volume goes up. Your RV goes up. Okay, so that's what usually happens with kids younger younger age, and usually has to do with allergies. Okay, the big thing is allergies. So th therefore, when you test them, you could gonna see the IgE, uh, and also eosinophil goes up. Could be pollution most of the time. Asthma, you kind of grow out of it as the adult, but if you still have it, you're gonna have a lot of wheezing. Uh, probably wheezing. You could test them with PFT, pulmonary function tests. You could look at the X-ray. You're gonna see that in, uh, hyperinflation. So you could see how how the lungs become much bigger. Uh, pretty easy to see here. You could see how much more full the lungs actually is, right? And also, there's no differences between the the diaphragm. You could see the diaphragm here. The diaphragm actually stay uh, stay about the about the same size, the same level. And the trachea actually increase their size in terms of you see how small this trachea is versus this trachea actually become bigger. Okay, and you could see the uh, infiltrations. Uh, more black spots in the lungs, more darker spots as well, more uh, the lungs become a little bit wider. The other type of instruct, uh, obstructive is TB. Uh, TB is huge, uh, tuberculosis. Uh, something to remember, you're gonna have to, to remember this uh, for your 3P exam, so mycobacterium tuberculosis, that's a bug that actually with TB. Uh, it used to be pandemic, similar to what we deal with now, um, and we thought we get rid of it, but uh, apparently still hanging around and it's starting to come back for some reason. Uh, there's no there's no vaccine for TB. Um, there's no vaccine for TB. So we, well, we used to have vaccine for TB called BCG. Uh, BCG, if you're actually born outside of this country, uh, you were, you had this vaccine called BCG. But it turns out that actually caused kind of mutilating your body and your skin, so they actually stopped using it. So the past uh, 10 to 5, 10 years around the world now, though, who actually stopped giving BCG to uh, kids that actually born outside of the US. In US, we test them, we test and then treat, uh, we test and treat TB, so that's why we kind of limited number of TB throughout uh, the past uh, few decades or so. Uh, it's airborne, usually. Uh, incubation is 2 to 12 weeks. Uh, the You could tell by chest x-ray, PPD uh, doesn't, it's not definitive. Uh, you could do a chest x-ray, you could do culture uh, sensitivities. Uh, that's also definitive. So we use uh, special medication for TB, uh, isodiacid, uh, very specific for TB. If you actually take isodiacid, it's gonna, at least six, one to two years, uh, you have to take it at the same time every day. If you miss a dose, you could be extending your time uh, taking that medication. Couple of things to remember about TB. TB, you're gonna see these kind of uh, consolidation, but most of the time TB actually happen at the top, at the apex. So that's why we listen to the apex of the lungs because uh, that's where you're gonna see most of the uh, most of the uh, the most common location for TB. Okay. Next one is acute bronchitis. Acute bronchitis. You have two, you have acute and chronic bronchitis, acute versus chronic. Acute, um, you have inflammation of your bronchi, usually it's upper respiratory, um, could be usually virus, influenza, but keep this in mind, if you have acute bronchitis, we do not treat it, okay? You do not treat acute bronchitis, usually it's viral, 
if again from what what I showed you last week uh, between viral versus bacterial, most of the time is it viral you have running those, uh, then you will not treat it. Okay, it should go away after uh, a week. Hard for the family to to take it in, but just tell them this thing will go away after one week. Okay, so if you have acute bronchitis, most of the time you don't even have to do x-ray. I usually don't see patients doing x-ray with that, but this is what it would look like. Uh, you're going to see, but this is not a good x-ray, but, uh, but you could see the person actually turn as well. The heart is bigger on this side. Uh, this could be because of rotation to the right. Uh, also, you have uh, more of the these consolidations here. This one you should know is pneumonia. pneumonia. This is infection of the lungs. There's uh, several types of pneumonias. There's a choir, which is from the hospital, nursing home, bacterial, viral, fungal, so all different types of pneumonias. So it depends on where you actually could get it from. Um, symptoms, uh, if you have pneumonia, most likely you're gonna have fever, you have productive cough, uh, nasal flaring for kids. Uh, you look at chest x-ray, you should be able to tell right away. It's actually really easy to see with pneumonia. Okay, this is to, what to remember for your exam. Uh, FEV1, this is forced in expiratory volume for one second. So what do you think happened in pneumonia case? If you have pneumonia, what happened to your FEV1? Would it go up, go down, or stay same level? If you have pneumonia, again, this is the obstructive type, right? So if you have lots of liquid in your lungs, you can't really forcing stuff out. So therefore, your expiratory volume will go down. So you cannot force the air out of your lungs. Whereas your VQ, your ventilation, your ventilation goes down, okay? So your V, the V right here goes down, but your perfusion stay the same. Your perfusion does not really change. So your V goes down. If the top number goes down, let's say you, if you start with two over two, start with two over two, and the top number goes down to one, you're going from one to one half. So therefore your VQ is also going down, okay? Your TLC, your TLC level, uh, your total lung capacity, your lungs will fill with liquid instead. So your total lung capacity will also goes down as well. This is what TV looks like, and as you can see, you can see the lower border of the of the diaphragm, diaphragm level gone. You can see that clearly. Uh, you have pneumonia here. Okay. Aspiration, uh, aspiration. Also know what aspiration is. Uh, that will help you with your exam. Uh, it's a passage of fluid, a solid particle into the lungs. So that's when you have objects going down to the lungs. The most common lobe to go down to is your right lower lobe because uh, your tracheal, your primary bronchi, primary bronchus is actually have a steeper slope on the right than the left. So more likely you'll go to down to your right, that's right side and your left side. So aspiration usually is, uh, we like to play with our holes. So kids especially putting things in their mouths, in their nose, uh, things get accidentally goes down into the wrong tube. Okay. And you could have aspiration there. You could have acute, chronic, uh, could have upper trachea with the strider, uh, lower intrathoracic airways, you're gonna see the wheezing as well. So uh, this is more of the adult type. Uh, you could see the air comes down here, but you might see a little blockage of the air going down. You can't really see uh, the lower lobe. So that means some just consolidation down there as well. So that means the lungs start producing mucus. Uh, bronchiolitis, croup, and epiglottitis. Bronchiolitis, uh, that's information on your bronchioles. Usually it's RSV, most common in, in children. Uh, 
croup, very specific uh, barking cough. Uh, once you hear croup, you know uh, most of the time it's virus. So they will most of these are viral. So they will get uh, will feel better without antibiotics. The croup should resolve quickly by itself. Uh, something to keep in mind, especially for RSV and croup. Uh, kind of go against our logic of thinking, but uh, if you have a patient who have croups in RSV, one of the best things to recommend to them is to actually make it cold. Okay, the colder you could make, uh, the better, the, the less cough the, the kids will have at night. Okay, less cough kids will have at night. Okay, a lot of time uh, these come on during the winter time, during the winter months, and parents tends to turn up the heat in the room uh, for the babies or the infants. So when you turn up the heat, you're going to notice that you actually have more cough. The baby will have more cough throughout the night. So opposite goes <laughs> if you actually turn on the AC and kind of make the room really, really cold, super cold, uh, the kids actually won't cough as much throughout the whole entire night. Uh, it's better for them. So keep in mind, uh, these two works well that way. Next one is apricotitis. It is inflammation of your apricotus. Uh, the key is you have this tripoding. Uh, they actually will put their hands on their legs, they'll tripod. Uh, one huge thing to remember is they will have difficulty opening up their jaw if they're in a really acute stage. They cannot open up their jaw. And do not try to open up their jaw if they cannot open their jaw, jaw and keep it shut. Because the more you try to open that jaw, you will suffocate the patient. It will block the airways and they cannot breathe. So this is an emergency. You have to refer them to the hospital ASAP. Uh, stats. So you can see the hyoid bone comes down. Sign of epiglottitis. Again, another one is uh, from acute bronchitis to chronic bronchitis. Chronic bronchitis, you have to have uh, bronchitis. Uh, more than six months for two consecutive years. So you have to have more than six months for a couple of years in a row. A uh, couple of key terms to remember for this, you have inflammation of your bronchi, you have the mucus production. You also have this alpha-1 antitrypsin deficiency. You, you're going to see the lower level of that alpha-1 antitrypsin. This is one of the key things to remember. So uh, oftentimes this happens with COPD. Uh, okay. Again, this is the obstructive type of disease, okay, obstructive lung disease. So more than three months uh, for the past two years. Um, so you, you could do PFT, chest x-ray, all of these will show you uh, they have COPD. Sputum culture does to throw out other diseases. You won't see any bacteria here. Uh, what happened with COPD is uh, the, you, the bronchial, the tube, the trachea, and the bronchioles become inflamed. All of those become inflamed. You have tons of mucus production and that mucus blocking air coming into inside the lungs. So their O2 level is going to go down, O2 level going down because you don't get the oxygen inside your lungs. So again, if you cannot get oxygen into your lungs, uh, you have that obstruction. Then your FEV1 also going down. You cannot get the oxygen out, cannot get the air out. Again, this is the ventilation problem. So the ventilation goes down, your, your perfusion also, your VQ actually goes down. If you don't have a lot of air coming in, therefore your TLC is not going to be, not going to have much TLC there as well. That going to go down as well. Okay. So next one is emphysema. So this is blue bloater. Some people call this blue bloater because you cannot get the air in. So therefore you actually have uh, cyanosis, blue, versus bloater. You actually have edema everywhere because you uh, have less of the air. And you're going to see barrel chest. But barrel chest usually refer to this guy, this emphysema. There's no obstruction of the air that's coming in. 
air coming just fine. But the problem is with the alveoli, uh, you have these alveoli, instead of having these little walls, the walls actually gone. You have less surface tension, you have less uh, absorption into your, into your body. So this has nothing to do with obstruction. So the air comes in just fine. Okay, so FEV1 usually goes down because the air will stay inside here. The air actually will stay inside the alveoli, cannot get out, cannot be forced out. So the FEV1 goes down. BQ, the ventilations stay about the same, but your perfusion goes down. If your perfusion goes down, actually ventilation goes down as well because actually perfusion goes down a lot more. Uh, you cannot get the oxygen in through your uh, into your alveoli, so therefore your uh, uh, your VQ goes down. Your TLC goes up, on the other hand, because you have more air inside your lungs. You have more air inside your lungs. Okay. Another, another tip to remember for COPD is that because of COPD and because of the air that they have here, uh, they, uh, <coughs> they already have the oxygen. They already have the oxygen in, inside the body. So if you give oxygen to these folks, if you have, give them O2, you could kill them. You could shut down their lungs. So keep that in mind. So you don't want to actually give oxygen to these folks uh, because they have to, they, are, they already have to, a lot of air inside their lungs. Uh, let's continue. Um, bronchiectasis. This is mean you have the. Uh, so with bronchiectasis, uh, this is the dilation of your bronchi. So usually this could be acute, could be chronic, but usually uh, caused by a different type of infection. You could see that uh, your little bronchi actually become dilated. This actually, you could see toward the end and actually have these white spots uh, toward the end of the of these bronchi. Okay, you need to know this for your exam. So I want to know that. Um, pneumoconiosis. Pneumoconiosis is basically you in, you have inhalation of a different substance, uh, usually from the workplace like silica, uh, asbestos, and coal. So those are the three most common ones. Silica, uh, if you work like construction worker, or especially also if you were going to go into um, into dermatology, and if you're going to do like a dermal abrasion type stuff, usually they use silica or a fiery particle to blast the, the top layer of your skin. So you might want to wear a mask, like N95, N95 masks for those uh, to prevent these things get into your lungs. So once you get into your lung, you actually have accumulation of those, so and could lead to the restrictive type of lung condition. Okay. Fibrotic lungs. Again, this is definitely the restrictive type of uh, lung disease. You have silicosis again from different uh, mining minerals, uh, silicone. Uh, Stone uh, asbestosis, uh, you could that could lead to mesothelioma, and sarcoidosis. This is more the most interesting one is sarcoidosis. This is the one that uh, usually is autoimmune disease. It occurs in the Northern European, very common in African Americans. Um, if you guys remember Bernie Mac, Bernie Mac actually died because of this, died because of sarcoidosis. You actually have brown um, deposit into the lungs. And we don't know the cause per se, but I think uh, we believe it's caused by stress. The more the more stress you have, the more you're gonna have these uh, erythema nodosum, um, or these who are inside your lungs. So um, that's what we recommend to Bernie Mac at that, that time. He actually had several movies and sitcoms and stuff. So doctors recommend him to to cut down on those. And <coughs> yet uh, in the end, he actually died died from it. So. So something to know, uh, I would recommend because you can definitely see this. You might see this in your clinic for sure is sarcoidosis. Uh, usually in their 20s to 40s. Uh, 
some have the eye, some have the respiratory lungs, and even the skin as well. Uh, PE, pulmonary embolism. This is the, you guys know this fairly well, I'm sure. You have the blockage of the uh, artery uh, due to DVT, uh, deviated thrombosis. Uh, when, this, uh, when that becomes emboli, when it launch up, uh, you could go into the lungs and then end up with PE. Uh, sickle cells, you could actually have this as well. The key thing to remember is this part here at the bottom. Uh, you want to remember this in the bottom. With PE, you're going to end up with uh, pulmonary edema. Definitely could uh, pulmonary hypertension could lead to shock or even death as well. So, so with FEV1, if you actually have PE, you don't have the obstruction of the air coming in. Uh, the air, the lungs is fine. The, completely, the lungs is fine in terms of the air coming in and out. Uh, there's no nothing blocking your trachea, your bronchi, so nothing blocking there. So, your FEV should be normal. Your FEV1 should be normal, completely normal. Your ventilation is fine, your breathing in and out is fine, but your perfusion goes down. When your perfusion goes down, uh, your perfusion goes down because of this blocking it, your VQ ratio then goes up. Your TLC, your total lung capacity, also stay the same, doesn't change because it has nothing to do with your lungs, per se. Okay, so something to remember with PE. And you can see on the CT scan with the, where the location of the PE might be. This is pyro uh, fusion. You actually have lots of liquid. The lungs become smaller. Pneumothorax, air in the lungs. You have tension in the pneumothorax and also open pneumothorax. Two different ones. You guys could read these. So you could see the lungs, the actual side of the lungs itself, becomes smaller right here. So the lungs, instead of go all the way to the side, you actually have air. This is complete air filling uh, into the into the into the pleural cavity. So the lungs become smaller. <coughs> so you could see the lungs become smaller side here. Also, almost none here. You can see right along here. It looks like it's collapse. Which leads to the next one, which is collapse of the lungs, atelectasis. Uh, there are several types of atelectasis. You could have compression, atelectasis, absorption, atelectasis. You have surfactant impairment, so different types. Uh, compression, just like the sound, but it's actually you have someone uh, pressing on your lungs. Uh, for most people, uh, if you actually put like a 10, weight, 10 pound weight onto your chest, you would have extreme difficult breathing, uh, just, just a 10 pound weight. Uh, anything above 15 or 20 pound, pounder, you may end up with collapsed lung. Okay. Uh, unless your chest is very strong and your chest you have a lots of muscle, you might be able to handle it. But, but for most average normal folks, uh, if you don't work out, most likely anything above 10, 15 pounds, uh, you will have really difficulty of breathing. Uh, so factor impairment, that's usually when you have uh, uh, newbies, uh, uh, preemies, sorry, <laughs> newbies, uh, preemies, uh, you don't have surfactant production. So that could lead to atelectasis as well. You're going to see this something called plate-like atelectasis. This is the QPE. You're going to see this little line going across. So that's the plate-like atelectasis. Round atelectasis. This is caused by asbestos. Nice and round here. Low bar. This is uh, an indication of the, the superior low actually gone. Segmental. So certain segment of your, your lungs can actually have atelectasis. 
you should know the difference between the portal infusion and atelectasis. What's the difference between the two? Uh, one, you could see the mediastinum shifted to opposite side. Mediastinum for the atelectasis is pulled into the same side, whereas rib space is widened and rib space is narrow. So these couple of signs actually will help you determine whether a person has portal effusion or atelectasis. Art, uh, acute respiratory distress syndrome. Um, this could cause by different injury, it could cause by inflammation, infections, or all kinds of things. So, um, but usually, and these are the classic signs of arts. You have the hyperventilation, respiratory alkalosis. Uh, you could uh, then goes to metabolic alkalosis, uh, acidosis, and then goes to the decrease of your tidal volume and hypoventilation. Then you end up with hy uh, hypercapnia, respiratory acidosis, and then lead to hypotension and cardiac uh, decrease of cardiac output and death. So these are the system how it actually go from so uh, as you treating patient who have uh, patient who have uh, COVID-19 something to keep in mind uh, these are the progression that they could be end up going through okay so you have to only keep these in mind <coughs> okay you let's see SIT, uh, you guys know about SIT, uh, and you're going to deal with family practice, you definitely need to know this and be able to warn the family about SIT. So. Uh, most often it's male infant, more common in winter, uh, usually uh, during the first month of life, so peak at two to four months, but uh, make sure that you, you don't, uh, make sure that uh, they're not facing down when they sleep. Uh, a lot of parents now have a uh, morning, morning um, mattress uh, where if the, the infant stop breathing, the heart stop, uh, then the, it would actually give you an alarm. So um, pros and cons. I mean, sometimes people forget to turn off the, the the blanket and pick up the baby, and then the alarm could go off as well. So laryngeal cancer if you actually assure it's tobacco smoke and chewing tobacco you could actually end up with throat or laryngeal cancer so lung cancer uh, leading cause of death in the u.s uh, number one still is number one uh, caused by smoking 85 percent there's different type the most common one is non-small cell carcinoma which is adenocarcinoma you have small cell carcinoma carcinoma or old cells uh, This is what it looks like, uh, lung cancer. You could see these mass inside the lungs and it oftentimes metastasize as well. A few cases to go through and we almost done. So case one, um, noisy breathing, you guys have these, you are, I believe in your slide, um, crackle and wheezing. So this could uh, be a sign of RSV, very common again. Um, they often wheeze, uh, you have these nasal congestion RSV, usually you have these swelling of your bronchi and restriction of your airways, blockage of your airway, obstruction of your airways, sorry. Uh, treatment, you always want to remember these ABCs of treatment A, you deal with the airway management first, uh, you uh, suction before O, B, uh, breathing, oxygen therapy if they need them, and circulation, which is hydration. So, something to remember, nose is responsible 50% total airway resistant at all age, if, meaning that, uh, especially for infants, infants actually rely on their nose more than the adult. They don't know how to breathe through their mouth yet. They haven't learned how to breathe through their mouth. So if there's anything blocking their nose, they actually will end up in the respiratory distress very easily. And oftentimes, that's when they start crying. Uh, 
when they cry, they actually could breathe a lot better. They actually use their mouth to breathe. Uh, they do not learn how to breathe through their mouth and, uh, much until much later later time. Okay, so keep that in mind. You will have that question on your exam as well. So something to keep in mind. <coughs> so seven year old with shortness of breath, SOP. O2 is at 87%, substernal and intercostal retraction. So this is asthma, very common at that age. Very common at that age that you have a lot of people actually end up with asthma. Uh, with kids as well, like I mentioned, school age, uh, usually due to allergies, uh, different type of allergies. Again, uh, airway management, A, you want to give oxygen, sitting position, make sure that uh, comfort breathing, you give them albuterol, so that kind of open up their lungs, bronchodilators, steroids, and then hydration, circulation. Simplify your occasion and come to the ED with a worsened dyspnea, fever, cough, increased sputum production. Accompanied by his sister, who said John has been experiencing as a breath, feeling fatigue, and has been thinking, not been thinking clearly. Uh, John has had a cold for the past three days, tried to manage with Tylenol. According to past medical history, John has been smoker for 30 years and quit one year ago when he was diagnosed with stage 2 chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, COPD. Since being diagnosed, John has been taking uh, selbutamol, PRN, tyrotropium, bromide daily. By Riva. There has, has no medical, no other medical condition, no known allergies. <coughs> These are his vitals. O2 sat at 87%. Heart, lead, heart rate is slightly tacked. Uh, 134. You have wheezing, inspiratory crackles, and diminished breath sound in the lower lobes upon auscultation. So, what is this? So this could be pneumonia. Sixty-year-old uh, COPD. <coughs> you guys could take a look at these. I mean, you guys have these these cases with you, so you guys could take a look at them. Um, we talked about CF before. Uh, you definitely need to know what CF is. Um, I explained all of these to you before, uh, right before I, I believe in your first week. Uh, all of these pretty much the same thing. <coughs> Also, uh, something to, for you guys to remember is review your core pulmonale. Uh, we talked about core pulmonale last week uh, in your, uh, actually in, with the car, cardio, cardiology. So uh, you might want to review the core pulmonale in cardiology. You will be responsible for that as well. Okay. That's it for, two, uh, for this, this time. Uh, thank you for listening and I'll see you guys next time.